All right, Alexander, let's talk about the Durham report. It's been four years and uh, we finally have the report and he does exist. Oh, yeah. Durham is a real person and he does exist and he has given us a real report. And, uh, you know, Trump is Trump has definitely been vindicated and um, the Russia Trump, Russia, Russia gates, all of that stuff was one big hoax. No, no big surprise. I don't think this, this should be a shock to anybody. But uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to actually put it's a pretty back long document. The, it's a very long document, 316 pages, and I plowed through all of them. And I get to push back on one thing. You said that he's given us a real report. I, I would actually disagree. I don't think he's given us a real report at all. What he has given us is an awful lot more detail on what we already knew. But he has completely left unresolved lots and lots of issues. Now, he has a lot to say, for example, about George Papadopoulos. Do you remember Papadopoulos? He was the young man who uh, became a Trump foreign policy aide, who was based in London, who was interviewed by Joseph Mifsud in a hotel in London. Joseph Mifsud was this Maltese professor who ran this, acad this academy and who was supposedly told Papadopoulos that, you know, the Russians had all this dirt, all these emails of, Hi of Hillary Clinton's. And then Papadopoulos went and met Alexander Downer, the Australian diplomat at this place, this bar in Kensington, which I've been to many times, by the way, and that this all supposedly got a crossfire hurricane, the FBI's investigation, um, up and running. Well, Durham has an awful lot to say about Papadopoulos, and by the way, it is highly complimentary, and I should add also, and interestingly, that it wasn't just Alexander Downer, who is the diplomat, that... Papadopoulos met. It was two Australian diplomats, one of whom was Alexander Downer, and they appear to have met Papadopoulos twice, and the two diplomats also liked Papadopoulos a lot. They thought he was a really nice guy, very humble, very a bit insecure, but, you know, perfectly straightforward, decent person. But you plough through this document, I couldn't find a single reference to Joseph Mifsud or that meeting between Papadopoulos and Mifsud in the hotel, anywhere in it. No explanation of who Joseph Mifsud was, whether he was connected to any intelligence agency, whether he's alive or dead, whether he exists, what his background was, nothing about him. Uh, you may also remember that we had an awful lot of discussions in the past, about a man called Stefan Halper, who also had numerous contacts with Papadopoulos. Very strange man, FBI informer, man with a long intelligence background. I couldn't find Stefan Halper's name anywhere in this document. It could be because um, Durham comes up with all sorts of, you know, labels, you know, uh, uh, informant CH1 and things like that. It could be that one of them is down, is, is sorry, is Halper. But anyway, pretty much nothing about Halper at all. And then there's another story, very tantalising one, which is that um, a couple of months after, you know, the uh, 
but basic the Mueller, the Mueller report ended. We got more reports that the CIA had this agent in the Kremlin working for Yuri Ushakov, Putin's top foreign policy aide, and this guy was supposedly confirming that there was some kind of Russian meddling campaign going on. So nothing about any of that in the Durham report. No reference to this uh, uh, spy the CIA supposedly had in the Kremlin who was corroborating all of this. What we get instead is something really very interesting, which is a straightforward statement from Durham that no part of the US intelligence community had any information whatsoever that corroborated any part of the collusion allegations. So, did the spy exist? Is he an invention? What became of him? What information did he provide? I couldn't find a word about this anywhere from Durham. So, you know, lots of gaps, unexplained gaps. Also, long explanations from Durham about, you know, how he can't second guess what people were thinking, whether or not they had any malevolent intention or not, why it'd be very, very difficult to bring criminal proceedings against people. Lots of this, vast amounts on due process issues, the fact that the FBI broke its own rules. He doesn't really explain why the FBI broke its rules, but anyway, he goes into this in enormous detail about how the FBI really wasn't doing things properly, and we come again and again about examples of this. So there it is. Also, other things I don't understand. He wasn't able to interview Christopher Steele. So he didn't interview Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele refused to be interviewed. No attempt, apparently to subpoena Christopher Steele, which I presume <laughs> Durham could do. No interest in interviewing Christopher Steele, it seems. So I'm not sure that this is any sort of report. What it is, is something that fleshes out in incredible detail certain things. So if you want to know how the Steele dossier was created and what the FBI knew about it, then you have all the information there. Now, we have every single bit and information about how the Steele dossier was put together and about who commissioned it. We also have a great deal of further information about how the FBI leadership seems to have been extremely keen to open an investigation of Donald Trump. And it's clear that they were looking to do that before the information from Papadopoulos, about Papadopoulos, came from the Australians. In fact, they seized on that information from the Australians to open this investigation. They also um, clearly decided to use the Steele dossier, which they had possession of for 75 days, but didn't pass on to the investigators. Why? Why not? Durham doesn't know. He can't say. No explanation why the Steele dossier wasn't used earlier in the, in the investigation. But anyway, that they clearly used that in order to get this FISA warrant, and getting the FISA warrant on Carter Page seems to have been 
an absolute obsession with Comey in particular. But as I said, explanations, motives, reasons for all of this, Durham, Durham doesn't really go into. So I'd say it's a whitewash, actually, more than a report. It um, acquits everybody of real, uh, you know, all the really important people in the FBI of intent. Says so you can't really make a case there. Does seem as if they were rather biased. It, he points out that they treated Hillary Clinton very differently from the way in which they treated Trump. It turns out there was lots of evidence of election meddling on Hillary Clinton's behalf by at least two foreign governments. We aren't told which ones. We're told that the FBI basically stamped on those reports, didn't investigate them, that they gave Hillary Clinton briefings about these reports. They didn't give any briefings at all to Donald Trump about the fact that he was going to be investigated. So all of these unanswered questions are there. So clear prejudice, bias against Trump by the FBI, but no, no evidence that these people acted in the FBI with any criminal intent whatsoever. Yeah, but I think that was the purpose of the report, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it was its purpose was to be was to be a whitewash, was to exonerate everybody, yeah. but to 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 point out the wrongdoings of certain people who are inconsequential now. They've moved on yes. anyway, so it really yes. doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, even yes. even the fact that Hillary Clinton was doing what she was doing doesn't matter anymore because she's not going to run again for president. So. You know, no problem. You can you can say that she got preferential treatment. Um, you know, she was she was working with certain governments. I can tell you which government. I can tell you one of the two governments, uh, Ukraine. Yeah, I'll, I'll put money on that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, we already know that, though. We already know yeah. the yeah. how how involved the the Ukraine government and the Ukraine embassy in Washington D.C. was during the election and how they moved to. Uh, to smear Trump and to, and to try and get uh, Hillary elected in 2016. Yes. That's, that's not news. Um, yes. You know, Mifsud, Halper, Steele. I imagine that Durham probably got some sort of order not to, not to burn yes. these guys because yes. Mifsud and all these people are, are spies. I mean, there's, yes. you know, we, didn't, yes. we don't even know if Mifsud is a real person. Yes. <laughs> you know, well, I, I strongly, many times I, probably, I strongly uh, doubt. Yeah, I strongly doubt that yeah. he is. And, and that in itself, by the way, is important because if you really want to get to a, an explanation of what actually happened, then it seems to me that finding out who Mifsud actually is and outing him is in some ways the starting point because he is supposed to have been the person who set the whole thing going, except, of course, that he didn't. <laughs> and this is, this is what's so interesting because... It's absolutely clear that the FBI, the leadership of the FBI, were very, very keen from very early on, long before, you know, either Mifsud appeared on the scene or Babadopoulos appeared on the scene or uh, the hacking started or any of that. They were very, very keen to start some kind of investigation of Trump. And it's also clear that the professionals... A lot of the actual people, the agents, the officers of the FBI, were very, very unhappy. And that there was a lot of tension between head office and the agents on the ground who had to carry out the investigation. And 
one of the most actually revealing things is that Durham says that both within the CIA and the FBI, the people who really follow Russia, and remember the FBI is an intelligence agency or a counterintelligence agency, it has Russian analysts, and they were coming back and they were selling, telling the FBI leadership, this doesn't make any kind of sense, the people in the CIA apparently were doing the same, and they were being ignored, and they were getting very, very frustrated about the fact that they were ignored. And it seems that along the way, the CIA got hold of information that the Russians had concluded way back in the summer that the whole Russiagate affair had been created on Hillary Clinton's orders on the 26th of July 2016 in order to divert attention away from the WikiLeaks uh, stories, that she gave an actual instruction on the advice of a foreign policy aide. We're not told who that foreign policy aide is. Might have gone by the name, J you know, had the initials JS, possibly. <laughs> Just a guess. I'm not saying that it was him. But anyway, uh, he does feature, by the way, uh, uh, several times in the report by name as well. But I I I'm not going to go there. I mean, I don't know, and I don't want to insinuate things I really don't know. But anyway, uh, the, there was supposedly, the Russians did think that Hillary Clinton gave this order on the 26th of July. That found its way through a, 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 a third country to the CIA. The CIA provided that information to Obama. It was discussed by Brennan and Comey, Brennan, the CIA chief, Comey, the FBI chief. It was not passed down to the FBI investigators who were instructed to investigate Russiagate. One of these FBI investigators is a professional. Um, when she was shown this information about Hillary Clinton having given this instruction, when she was shown this information by Durham, got extremely upset, broke down, said that she should certainly have been shown this information. She was so distressed, apparently, that she had to leave the room, speak to an attorney and come back and make clear to Durham and his people how very upset and angry she was. So the leadership of the FBI were controlling the investigation. They were directing, they were they were keeping the uh, people in the, aid, the the professional agents. They were telling them what to do. Professional agents were sometimes pushing back. They were being denied critical information that they needed to know. But the FBI leadership were determined to plough on. And I think, you know, that's the point. Um, Hillary Clinton, inconsequential. Comey, who cares anymore now? Uh, McCabe, he's got a cushy job at CNN now as well. I mean, they've got their book deals. They've got their TV shows. Um, they've moved on. So I think Durham can name all of these people and shame them to a certain degree. But yeah. nothing's going to really come out of it. Well, and the real... The real people that we want to learn about, the helpers and the Mifsuds and all of uh, all of these guys, they're just going to 
vanish, fade away. Well, they have. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mr. That, Mr. Yeah. literally yeah. has vanished. I mean, he's disappeared. I mean, yeah. nobody knows exactly. where he is or even whether exactly. he's alive or dead. So, I mean, yeah. so, or whether he ever existed. So, I mean, he's vanished. And, you know, what the politics of this are. I mean, you know, it, it is interesting and useful as a historic document. I mean, other things that come out very clearly, for example. I mean, the presidential suite at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, where all the salacious things with Donald Trump were supposed to happen. He never stayed there. <laughs> the, the, the FBI knew that he was ne- he's, he's been to the hotel. Trump has stayed in the hotel, but never in that particular room, apparently. And the manager of the hotel was interviewed, German manager was interviewed by the FBI. He was interviewed by Trump Durham as well. He said the whole thing is a whole load of nonsense. It's pretty clear that Durham believes that much of this information that got into the Steele dossier came from a man called Charles Dolan, who is a Democrat Party supporter. Let's call him a supporter. (laughs) And he's very close to Danchenko, the other Russian source, and they're all connected with Steele. And basically, a lot of it seems to have been, frankly, fantasising. That's how it looks to me. So there's an awful lot of that. The other thing was the FBI knew that the whole Steele dossier collapsed pretty early. I mean, you know, when they looked into this, they very quickly established, the professionals very quickly established, no truth to any of this. But Steele dossier was brought in in order to get the Pfizer warrant because the original story about Papadopoulos and Mifsuds and Alexander Downer wasn't strong enough to obtain a Pfizer warrant. So after 75 days of sitting on the steel dossier, they produced it to the Pfizer court to get the Pfizer warrants and the Pfizer warrant of Carter Page, which was clearly used not just to listen to Carter Page, but to carry out much broader surveillance than that. And they continued to renew applications for that Pfizer warrant, relying on the steel dossier long after it had become discredited. So the whole thing gives me, I have to say this, the the impression of a gigantic fishing expedition. The FBI looking, the leadership of the FBI, looking to construct a case against Trump and his campaign, despite having no evidence that any sort of case existed. And that's what Durham says. So, you know, clearly, massive wrongdoing. But nobody, it seems, guilty of anything. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been saying it for since the beginning of the whole Russiagate uh, affair started. We've been saying that this was a giant fishing expedition. We've done dozens of programs on it. Uh, we've done many lives with, uh, with Robert Barnes. And I think everything that you've said and everything that Durham has, has said, Robert Barnes has, has also said. And, and he's also pointed to the fact that this is you know, one giant uh, fishing expedition and, and whitewash. I don't want to uh, mm. speak for Robert, but I, I remember some lives where he, he was basically saying what, what yeah. you're saying. And uh, it would be interesting to get his take on the, uh, on, would. The, on the Durham report. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely would. <laughs> but my, my question, okay, okay. so we know all, we knew all of this. We know all of this. We know mm. Hillary, we knew yeah. Hillary's yeah. involvement. We knew JS was somewhere mixed into this, and everyone knows who JS is. We know uh, we know we had our suspicions about Mifsud. 
We knew about the FISA uh, uh, warrants and Carter Page and how they went after him. We know that they wanted to, uh, to smear Donald Trump. We know that Comey had it out for Trump. Uh, we, we knew all of these things. My question to you, though, is why now? Why this type of report now? Because it does. Whatever, whatever it's meant to, whatever the report um, whitewashes, whatever it's, it, 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 it gets around as far as not implicating people and just kind of, you know, maneuvering around any, any pointing of fingers and any wrongdoing, it does, at the end of the day, vindicate Trump. Yes, I mean, it does. Trump can now go into 2024 and whenever anybody brings up Russia Gate or, or Trump Russia collusion, he can now 100% come out and say it was a hoax. That he can do. Yes. And no yes. one can dispute it now. No, no. one. No. Why, why, though, is why did Durham put out this report now? Because to be quite honest, he could have dragged this on for another five, oh. 10 years. No one would have, no one <laughs> would have cared. Noticed. No one yes. would have noticed. Yeah. Why this type of report? At this time, we have an election in about a year and, and six months, give or take. We have a conflict in Ukraine. Uh, I believe that everything that Hillary Clinton did had a direct impact on where we are today with the U.S. escalation with Russia in Ukraine. So I think Hillary Clinton is, is definitely at fault for stirring up a lot of the, the panic, the hate, the fear of, uh, of Russia. Um, and that's a terrible thing that she did. Why now? Why this report that's a, now? That's a very good question, because bear in mind, we didn't really get any information that it was coming. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. I mean, one day Durham was invisible and the next day his report appears. And I should say, you know... <laughs> If you go through the report carefully, as I've done, the two things that immediately stand out is, firstly, that there really was no evidence. I mean, he, Durham makes this point repeatedly. There was no evidence to occasion the opening of an investigation. I mean, there were rumours and stories, but there was nothing that you could put together that justified a whole investigation being created. He talks about the Papadopoulos of this Australian report. And he says, you know, you look at the evidence of the Australians and it just amounts to nothing. They had this conversation in a bar with Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos said that the Russians have info, information about Hillary Clinton. He might have obtained that from open sources. He might have been told something by Mifsud. But it, it amounted to nothing. It did not justify opening an investigation. And why didn't they interview Papadopoulos at that time? There's never been an explanation of why the FBI didn't do that. So lots of wrongdoing, lots of bad things. Why now? Why is it produced now? Well, I think that the election does have some bearing on this. And I have to say, I am sceptical about Durham being there to help Donald Trump, even though it does actually help Donald Trump. It could be that Durham is coming out because he wants to help the Republicans in some way. This is just a guess. 
or it could be that there is some more complicated battle going on within the system that we know about. And it could be connected to the war in Ukraine. I mean, we've just talked about, you know, the fact that there's this ongoing debate going on in the United States between the realists and the, um, uh, the neocons about whether to continue the war. As I said, there are some rather suggestive things said about JS. As I said, I, I don't want to say more than there is in the report. You can read the report yourself and you can see what is said about him and about this person who advised Hillary Clinton, who may or may not be him. So, but there's a lot about him there. So what this is all about, why now, why in this particular moment when Trump seems to be set on getting the Republican nomination? I don't know. Maybe it's intended, as I said, to... Um, help him to give him a boost in order to try to find more pressure to get the US out of this war. Or it could be that there's some other reason, which I just can't fathom. Could, could there be something there connecting to the Biden and Biden's presidency or Biden's re-election? Well, this is or so maybe opponents, yeah. opponents yeah. who want to throw their hat into the ring and maybe this report burns them. I, I, I don't know. I'm just... Well, there. I mean, as far as I can see, Biden isn't mentioned anywhere in this report. I mean, remember, the other thing that isn't discussed, for example, is the Michael Flynn affair. <laughs> you remember Michael Flynn, who had these conversations with the Russian ambassador, leaked by Izikov to the media, <laughs> um, and then all the extraordinary... Yeah, but, but Biden was in the room, wasn't he? I Biden mean... was in the room, but you won't find any reference to yeah. that in this, in this uh, report. I mean, it's not, it's not discussed at all. So, you know, it doesn't seem as to, to me as if this report is intended to target Biden in any way. So, um, I, I, I don't know. It's a very strange report indeed, because as a historic document, it's useful. It tells us an awful lot about how things worked. It tells us a lot about the machinery, but it doesn't make its own motivations clear. And it doesn't make the motivations of the people involved clear either, what the various connections were. It's not really, I have to say this, it's not really the report of a fully committed professional investigator. There's no evidence, for example, that, the, that uh, Durham pressed Hillary Clinton very strongly at all. I don't, I'm not even clear that he interviewed her. He did interview some other people on her team, but, you know, lots left unsaid, lots of explanations and loose ends left untied. By design. That, that's, well, that's by design. That, and of course, the other, the other possibility. That worries me. <laughs> the, the other, the other design, possibility. Yeah. Yeah, the other possibility, of course, is that this is all intended to bury the whole story uh, a year and a half before the election. I mean, you know, you get this report out of the way. You say, well, you know, Trump was completely innocent all along. His team were completely innocent all along. No, everybody, you know, were negligent. But, you know, we can't really say how bad they were or not. And, you know, if Trump comes back and talks about it, well, he's just being a bore. He's just... <laughs> 
grinding on about something that's in the past. Maybe that's as good an, expl an explanation as any. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's, it, it may just be a, a fact that the permanent state um, has accepted that Trump is going to, to be the nominee for the Republicans in 2024. And they said, you know, let's just get this out of the way so that it's not a talking point, so that it's not really brought up in the elections anymore. And, and perhaps it's a way to, to uh, clear the table for the FBI so that um, they can move on to, to, to their next antics that they're going to throw at, uh, at Trump when he is the Republican uh, nominee. Maybe it's a way to say, you know, the, AB, the FBI, they had a couple of bad people that did some, some wrong stuff, not criminal stuff, but just some wrong stuff. We had Hillary Clinton who did some wrong stuff, not criminal stuff, just some wrong stuff. You know, we, 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 we talk about it in the report. It's in the past now. And, you know, it's a whole new uh, bureau. It's a whole new bureau. And, you know, they're going to be able to, to focus in on Trump for something, for something else come 2024. I don't know. <laughs> I have no well, idea. Likely. Maybe it's quite something likely. like that. Yes. I, I certainly don't get the sense that Durham is trying to help Trump particularly. I mean, he says no, there's, no, no, not at all. there's no predication for an investigation no of him back in 2016. But as I said, he nowhere suggests, he nowhere straightforwardly says that um, this was a get Trump operation, even though when you look at all the information he's assembled, that's clearly what it was. No, I mean, if I was Trump, if I was on Trump's team, I, I would be very nervous about this report. Yeah. Because to so me, it would on. be like, okay, why are they, why, are, why did they drop this report now all of a sudden? Why do they yes. want to, you know, uh, make this report history, make the whole Trump-Russia affair history? Why do they want to um, talk about this now? To me, I would, I would be very, uh, very nervous <laughs> about I, I the fact that Durham has, has shown up and he's just said, okay, well, you know, Trump, uh, Trump never colluded with Russia. You know, these, these four or five people did these, these wrong things, and that's that. Yeah. Trump Russia is I mean, history now. Steel, all I that stuff. I completely agree. Let's just forget about I, it. I, that I, would make I, me I nervous. Have, that would make me nervous. I mean, it, to me, this report is, is weaker than those reports produced by, the, um, by Michael Horowitz, who is the um, FBI's own, um, you know, compliance person. Now... There's an awful lot more detail in Durham's report than there is in Michael Horowitz's report. But Horowitz went out of his way to say repeatedly that what was done was not just wrong procedurally, it was basically unethical. Durham never quite says that. He says, yeah, that's clearly bias. People like Strzok were put in charge despite his blatant bias against Trump. But everything is left hanging. Anyway, they're, they're up to something. <laughs> and oh, it's not going to be favorable always. to Trump, that's for sure. No, no, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I don't, know. I don't know. The key lies with Mifsud, wherever. I agree with that. If you really is. want to. Or whatever, you, or whatever yes. it is, whatever it is, because <laughs> we yes. don't know. Yes, I, I agree. If you want to really crack this case, start with Mifsud. Because if Mifsud isn't a the real Maltese person. Professor. The Maltese professor who's disappeared. If Mifsud, if Mifsud isn't a real person, 
then the whole thing looks like a provocation. The whole story looks like a provocation. And that, of course, leads directly to who in that case initiated it. But that's not a question. Great movie. Yes, but that's a question that Durham doesn't want to go down. The one thing I would also, the one thing I will say about Durham, is that it is now absolutely imperative. It seems to me that the conviction, the criminal conviction on George Papadopoulos, must be set aside. He's been. You, You talked about Trump being completely cleared of all wrongdoing. So it seems to me has Papadopoulos been. He comes across as a nice, earnest, sincere young man, uh, some humility and self-awareness. The Australians liked him. They didn't think that he was up to anything fundamentally wrong. That meeting with the Australians itself is very odd. There's no real explanation of why it happened or why they wanted to meet with him twice or what, what they were trying to get from Papadopoulos. But anyway, one way or the other... He's clearly not some kind of sinister person. And um, the team, the FBI, were monitoring him closely. They were um, getting people to talk to him with secret microphones hidden on them. They were trying to get him to admit that there was collusion going on between um, the Trump campaign and the Russians. And Papadopoulos was consistently saying this is total and complete bullshit. Okay. I guess we'll leave it there. I don't think uh, there's mm. anything else. There's nothing to, much more to, to say. Add, As I, I guess... said, if anybody wants to read the 316 pages of it, yeah. they're very welcome to. It's not an easy read. It's written in wonderful bureaucratic language, kind I'm very accustomed to reading myself. But believe me, it's almost impenetrable. I guess we're done with Trump, Russia, Russiagate, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unless Mifsud turns up somewhere. Yes. Some beach somewhere. Well, indeed, quite. Yes. Sipping, si- 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 sipping a, a, a fruity cocktail somewhere. Yeah, a margarita or something <laughs> like that. A margarita, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, the Maltese professor. The Maltese professor, exactly. In- in- incredible script writing. All right, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. TheDorea.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, and Telegram, and go to the Durant shop. Use the code GOODDAY, 10% off. Take care.